0: Welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Belvitz, and welcome back to the 11th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 25th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, but to say right up front, I'm honestly also very disappointed, and partially because this is the stuff that we'll be getting into this week. It's very heavy. It's very deep, and I would argue... That This is the most important podcast that I have done in the year and a half plus that I have done this podcast because there's three main stories this week that I will be tying into specifically the gospel text this week that I don't feel I've been getting enough traction which tie in beautifully and the environmentalist side of myself will definitely come out this week. But I think it's a point that we no longer can ignore. And I think it's one of these things where we are just starting to understand the ramifications of what we are about to enter into and are in the middle of. And I don't think we're doing enough discussion about it. And I am just stating this up front because I think it's one of the things where we need to be okay with listening about this and dealing with this because if we don't start dealing with this, this is only going to get more difficult. And so I know that I typically try having a happy introduction and I just can't do it this week because of what we'll be getting into. And I think you'll quickly understand why we are doing it this way, but. Before we get into this week's podcast, we still do have a couple house-cleaning things we need to look at and to discuss. So, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, it's my shameless plug that I do every week. And I'd highly recommend checking out WorkingPreacher.org for their commentaries, their discussions, their podcasts... There's a lot of great information there. And especially this week, what partially got me going on to the stance that I will be taking this week with the gospel text came from the Sermon Brainwaves podcast this week coming from a comment that Caroline Lewis, a seminary professor at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, made. And I'll talk about that a little bit more this week. So if you aren't listening to that, if you haven't checked that out, I'd highly recommend it at least to get some ideas and to be able to give you some context on how to approach these scriptures on a week-to-week basis. The second thing of house cleaning that we need to do is we need to look at the Twitter questions that we had from last week. And the question was, how has division helped you see new life? And we had some really interesting discussion this week, actually, on the Twitter page. So if you are on Twitter, I'd recommend digging into that conversation. Otherwise, feel free to shoot me an email. But the discussion that they had this week was talking a lot on the conflicts that we've been seeing over in China and Hong Kong and the fight that they've been having for freedoms that they feel that they are looking for, they're desiring. And this was contrasted with very similar types of protests that we had here in the United States with the civil rights movement and along those lines in the 1960s. And I think it's one of these things where it's a good example to be able to look at where the division of something like that has helped bring forth these different opinions in a positive manner to start grappling with and dealing and seeing how through that division new life can come. I think one of the other places that you can kind of see it in a weird way is forest, like we talked about with deforestation and the process of when a forest in, let's say, goes through a forest fire, you have the new life that does come from it that will eventually come, and sometimes that's really hard to see in the current moment. And again, this all, I think, ties in really beautifully to what we'll be talking about this week. So let's get into it, especially that most of my argument will be focused this week on the gospel text, and we'll start there. gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Jesus is entering the synagogue, and a woman who is with a spirit that has been crippling her for 18 years comes to him. And she is bent over and is quite unable to stand up. And Jesus talks to her and says, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when he lays his hands on her, immediately she is able to stand up and praises God. But the leader of the synagogue says that this is the Sabbath. You have six days to work. Why did you decide to do this today? And Jesus makes a statement that I want to read just directly, coming from the middle of verse 15. You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead him away to give it water? And ought this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 years, be set free from the bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, All his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at the wonderful things that he was doing, going from the middle of 15 through 17. So the whole idea of looking at the law where he's stating the law, the Old Testament law of looking at the donkey and the ox and being able to lead it to water— But that there is a point and a stanchion for the law to set aside time for God and to remember God. But there's also a point that you can still honor God through work in that way. There is no monetary benefit. There is no benefit to what Jesus is doing on the Sabbath day by healing this woman. But it changes her life dramatically. And the thing that we will be focusing a lot on that Caroline Lewis brought up so elegantly is the word 18 years, that the woman had been with the spirit for 18 years. So first we get that it's a woman, which we obviously, whenever, in my opinion, women are brought up in scripture, it's a point to pay attention. But that then she has been overlooked for 18 years. And the question that Caroline brought up is looking at, What are we ignoring? Because obviously she has been pushed aside. If she has had this ailment for 18 years, and even that Jesus healing her on the Sabbath day, obviously it wasn't a priority on any of the other days to heal this woman. So we will be focusing on that. We will be coming back to that, but we need to get through these other readings. The first reading this week is from Isaiah chapter 58, starting with verse 9b and going through 14. And this is kind of explaining a little bit of that text that we had there referencing the untying of the ox. But it also kind of continues to go through how we often are so dependent on ourselves and that when we open ourselves up to help the other, that's when God can really be seen in us. And that we can then, through that faith, through the faith of opening up ourselves to others, start seeing and trusting more in God and knowing that he will continue to provide for you. And then in this process, we understand and start becoming more like Christ because we continue to open ourselves up to share with others and putting more and more trust in God that he will take care of us. The alternative first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 through 10. And this is a really telling reading, especially that you're listening to this podcast from a younger person in the church. Because here is the call story of Jeremiah and his question that he keeps stating to God is, why me? I am just a boy. Why are you giving me the ability to speak and lead the nation of Israel here? And that the Lord has said, I have been here since you were conceived in the womb. I have known what I have designed you to be. Trust me. I will put the words in your mouth that you need. Just be with me. Trust me. And we'll be okay. We'll get through this and you will lead my people to where I need them to be. And I think it's so often that we struggle with the same thing. We wrestle with God placing us and telling us what to do, even when sometimes it maybe is obvious and we really don't want to go through with it. The psalm this week is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 8, and it's one of these that we've heard in so many praise worship songs. But I think it's also worth, again, listening to the podcast because they start breaking down what my soul is and how, from what I was understanding it's much more of like throwing yourself at the feet of christ and saying bless the lord oh my soul that you have done so much for me that i do not deserve and that you have continued to sustain me and you have done all these things for the people of israel that you have made sure that we will continue for generations and through his love through the love that his prepared for us that he will provide as long as we put our faith and trust in God. The second reading is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. And this is a bit of a difficult reading, but it's also referencing back a little bit to the Old Testament, bringing in this idea of, again, trusting the Lord, and that through the trusting of the Lord, that he will help us along the way making us toward who he wants us to be that as we then get close to the time when he is calling us home and that he is bringing his heaven to earth we will be welcomed in we will be able to see the creation of what god has been making That we won't be rejected, but it's the idea then that we have to continue to be singing the praise of what God is creating, but also understanding the awe and power of who God is. Understanding the power of God, the awe and power that we should be giving to God. I wondered when I listened to Caroline Lewis's statement When I was preparing for this and wondering who is the 18 years today. Today I'm recording this late on August 20th and a couple hours ago I got absolutely shaken about something that I had absolutely no clue was going on in our world. And especially me trying to be an environmentalist, trying to stay on top of some of this stuff, I was disappointed that I hadn't heard about this sooner. So the place that I listen to it, especially since I don't have over-the-air TV, and so it makes it really difficult at times for me to stay on top of news. And so it makes me, I guess, be more creative, if you want to put it that way. On Where I get my news and so one of the places especially for me being a younger person if you're curious kind of where one of the places I get my news is the Phil DeFranco show one of the things I really like about Phil DeFranco it's on YouTube he tries to show both sides especially on political issues and he still does usually still give his a point I wish at times he didn't cover as much YouTube drama but it makes sense it's on YouTube but he brought up a story today that I hadn't heard. And again, I've been teasing this, and so I'm just going to say it. The Amazon has been on fire for three weeks. I had no idea. And the scary thing with the Amazon is when you're thinking of a rainforest based on humidity and based on just the ecosystem, the biome of a rainforest, it's very unlikely to be on fire especially for an extended period of time so it makes it all the more disturbing that it is so you start wondering well what is all going on how is this all kind of come to be first and foremost nasa started noticing it from global images that there was obviously a smoke layer coming out over brazil that currently they're estimating is 1.2 million square miles. And to give perspective to that, that is about a third of the entire U.S. under this smoke layer, which then has caused Sal Paulo. There are images, and again, this week especially, check the links below, look at this stuff. It is crazy. Sao Paulo, there is a Twitter from a person downtown at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, and the sky is black from smoke coming from presumably the Amazon, and especially from the area where it is, the smoke layer would easily have blown there. Again, this has to be human-caused. Because of the humidity that is in the Amazon, it's very flame-retardant, and they've noticed over the last year, that there are 70% more fire outbreaks this year compared to last year. And this is partially due to a typical agricultural style that they do in Brazil at this time called the slash and burn that's used for crops. And typically, there's a lot of people who also do it illegally just because it's an easy way of doing things. Currently, with the new president of Brazil being much more about extracting resources from the Amazon, there's question if this is partially why some of this is going on. One of the things that came out of the Brazilian National Institute for Space Research, the deforestation in the Amazon is up 245% in July of 2019 compared to last year and currently at the rate that they're deforesting the Amazon is three football fields per minute. Why is this such a big deal is such a deep question. There are so many layers to this, but the simple, if you want the fun facts, that can easily get your head around this. The Amazon is 3 million square miles. 40% of the world's tropical rainforest. Is there 20% of the world's fresh water, which as we've probably heard and looked at before, is becoming more and more of an issue, is located in the Amazon. 20% of the fresh water supply and 20% of the air that we breathe comes from the Amazon which then also leads to cloud formation which affects climate based on that the clouds are there to bounce light back into the atmosphere to not help contribute to the greenhouse effect of having that and it's also the difference of having trees there which have moisture to help create clouds compared to bare ground which you're not going to have that so that's the heat going in this also is a big deal because this is happening in brazil and 60 percent of of The Amazon is in Brazil and right now within the administration that Brazil has in leadership, they are very skeptical of climate change. This to me is not just a Brazil issue. This is now becoming a world issue because this doesn't just affect the climate of Brazil. This affects the climate of the planet that we are currently living on and we have to do Something We need to be aware of this. But this then takes it a step further. So like we talked about now that the cloud formation is somewhat affected and in large part due to the Amazon. And with that melting, I also ran across an article that came up last week that was more than disturbing. So this is Again, the link will be down below, published from CNN, August 15th, 2019, that Greenland in one day lost 11 billion tons of ice, which is the equivalent of 4.4 million Olympic swimming pools being added into our oceans. And there's now, and again, I'll attach stuff down below with NASA going through and looking at this stuff, with the rate that things are happening, this is faster than originally expected because the oceans have also warmed up. It's not just purely the air temperature, which this was also compounded due to the heat wave that just went through Europe coming through Greenland, that the water is also warmer, which then is causing ice melt. The bigger issue that's around that whole thing is when you're melting then the ice underneath and that the climate, the ocean waters are warming, a lot of, again, our ocean water temperatures and how things stay warm and cool throughout the world, which again affects climate, is from the ocean. If you look at England as a perfect example, there is a heat current of water that goes up toward England which helps make them more of a warmer place. And if you go across the globe on where they're at, they're in the middle of Canada, which is a much cooler, and it's because of those ocean currents that help make England more livable. So with adding more water to this ecosystem. And again, when we look at world populations and how much of our world population is coastal, This becomes a problem. This then is compounded again by another story that I had come across my radar this last week. And if you checked out 60 Minutes, you may have caught it also. But they did two stories talking about plastic in the oceans. But what really caught my attention, and again because specifically that I am a birder, they talked about the Laysan albatross that nest in the islands of the Midway that you may recognize from World War II. And they are pretty much shut off to the public. You have to go through a lot of permitting to go there. There's a couple U.S. fish and wildlife people that are there. There's a couple people, scientists who will go through there who will help with some of this stuff. And from the air, it looks like a pristine, beautiful island. The problem is, is when you actually land and get beyond seeing all these beautiful albatross, which are amazing seabirds with wingspans of six to eight feet long. It's gorgeous. Is starting to look at the beaches and looking at the people who have gone there can continually to pick up plastic from all over the world. And the crazy thing is because... No people live there, but yet they're finding plastic. And we don't entirely know at this point. Scientists cannot prove what plastics, especially microplastics or the breaking down of plastics do to our bodies. But one thing that we can observe is these albatrosses. And when they're finding chicks or albatrosses that are dying, their stomachs, are full of plastic and it's not just from one source this is the world being addicted to plastic and that they are going out trying to feed their young and are getting all this plastic in their stomach to the point of death because there's no way for them to pass it from what i can see how does this all tie back all these issues to me are issues of where we have turned a blind eye. And the scary thing of where we're at now as a globe is we have decided that we need states and countries and counties and cities. And so often it's a competition and that you do this better and I do that better. And that's okay, but you know, we'll still compete. But when I think about the Amazon providing 20% of the oxygen for the world, I don't feel like that should be just a Brazil issue. That's a world issue. When I start thinking about and looking at how much Greenland is melting, this isn't going to be a simple one country does something. This has to be a global community coming together to do this. When I look at the plastic issues and there's lots of different people trying to figure out issues and ways of solving this problem, but I don't see this as a quick and easy fix. It's all of us coming together to work on this. I see there's a lot of easy people who are trying to be leaders in the synagogue, who are naysayers, who say, we're not fiscally able to do this. It doesn't make economic sense. There's a lot of wasted time. And it's coming from someone of a younger generation. It's insulting because you're saying the place that you lived, that you have been able to live your life with, and the way that you have taken advantage many of us myself included in ways you don't want to change it and when i and many others and we are just starting to be really observant of this around the world that there is a problem but you don't want to do it because heaven forbid it changes something it's breaking the law it's breaking the way that things have been done the question i have is where is the faith in that Where is the faith that maybe God is calling us to a different calling, to appreciate what God has given us? Where is that? Why have we gotten so dependent on ourselves that we decide that we can create all these things? We have this better figured out. There's a point now when I'm looking at the world in which we are in and the world that we're progressing toward that yes we're gonna to have to work together yes there might be some technology in it but there also has to be a lot of faith a lot of faith that trusting that god will be in these processes will be in the insights for us to be able to press forward and figure out what way he is calling us to move we have to trust god that he is going to help us Figure out how to do all this, and there is a point that we can only do so much, and that it's in God's hands. Scientists are saying that yes, with the climate change in which we're going, we're probably going through a natural warming trend, but that it is being magnified by our own issues. Our own tie downs to different things that we decide are so important. When I am buying things, am I thinking about how long is this going to last, this item? How is this process of this thing going to be recycled? How much energy has gone into this? Is this a sustainable product? How often are we actually thinking about this? Because for me, I'm sorry, I love this place. I see this as a gift from God and I think that we've ignored it long enough. I think Jesus wants us to work with him to heal this place. But that means that we have to be willing to set aside these things that we think are important and haven't really asked God if this is the best way of using this. This last week with these news stories coming across my desk, I start to question what is actually the news? Not if it's fake news or real news, but what is the actual news? If the good news is Christ coming and forgiving us and that this is a transformative thing, wouldn't we be like the psalm praising God? Wouldn't we be in the situation then to be like Jeremiah and trust? Because a lot of these texts this week are trust. And I question if we are in a place where we really want to trust. Because I think the opportunity to trust God right now is sitting on a silver platter, but it means leaving a lot of what we know behind. This is not an easy message. And I think honestly, if I was in the position to preach this, this is what I'm preaching. And yes, there's probably some layers and things that need to be worked on. And again, if you have questions, if there's some way I can help you in this, let me know. Cause I'd be more than willing to help find resources for you to be able to preach this, to talk about this, because this isn't being talked about enough. And as being a person who is 27 years old, who has, I'm hoping, a long time left on this planet, this is a very alarming time, and this text opens the possibility of discussing that. So the Twitter question this week that I'm going to ask is a hard-hitting one straight to the point. If where do we, and that can be also parentheses you, need to change Your lifestyle to a more sustainable lifestyle and take a leap of faith and I know for me there's small things that I can do but there's also things that I just need to be okay with changing and this isn't easy this isn't meant to be easy nowhere in the book does it say that faith is easy and I would argue that right now with what we're going through this is a great challenge of faith Do we really treasure the place that we have been given by God? Do we really want to fall on our knees and give thanks and praise to God on what he has been able to provide for us? Enough to say, there is things that I need to change to better praise God. Are we willing to do that as a people? This is not easy. This is tough stuff. But I would love to be able to talk, to interact. Send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I'd love to have a continuing dialogue about this. Because this is an issue that we need to address. I don't feel that we can ignore this any longer. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith. And amazes you through science.